Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12 called The Wells of Salvation. Okay, Isaiah 12 is what you want tonight. Isaiah chapter 12. As we continue the verse-by-verse study through Isaiah, it is past the Psalms and Proverbs, and you're going to get to Isaiah chapter 12. Last week, we focused a lot of time on the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. We talked a lot about His work in our lives, His power. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a who. He's the third person of the Holy Trinity. And he has come to empower us, to equip us, to give us gifts so that we can function in the body and bring him glory. That sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit is laid out for us in Isaiah 11. And it says of the Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 2, will rest on him. We talked about that resting presence, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel. Isaiah 11.2, middle of the verse, and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor or assist the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, speaking of both his uh, reaching out and his judgment. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Also, righteousness will be the belt about his loins. He will govern righteously. It's his very nature. And faithfulness, the belt about his waist. And then the beautiful description of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, when he governs in righteousness, the wolf, that it was a predator, will lay down with the lamb or dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid or the goat. The calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, fellowshipping as animals together, and a little boy will lead them with no fear. Also the cow and the bear will graze, the bear will graze like the cow, not being carnivorous any longer. Their young will lie down together, the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, something that was once fearful will now be no big deal. And the wean child, small little infant here, will put his hand on the viper's den, again, no fear. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then it will come about in that day that the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, that's Jesus, coming from that line of of Jesse, through uh, Jesse and then David, who will stand as a signal or banner for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. So there you have the picture of the work of the Holy Spirit, and then it moves into the reality of the millennial kingdom when righteousness will reign and there will be peace and Jesus Christ will rule and reign. Psalm 2 comes to mind. Now, as we moved into the rest of the chapter, we talked about Uh, God's work in dealing with other nations and so forth. And now we move into chapter 12, which is just six verses. If you'll peek ahead for me, 
uh, for a second, you'll notice a very short section of Isaiah, but really power-packed. And if you wanted to theme out what Isaiah 12 is about, it is about worship. And there are really principles about worship in why we worship and how we worship. So if you, wanted to, if you like to write in your Bible, you like to write the theme of a chapter, this is really a chapter about worship or giving thanks to God. Then you, Isaiah 12, 1, you is singular, will say on the, that day, I will give thanks. And I think that day is speaking to the ultimate fulfillment of the millennial reign of Christ. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord. Some people see in this the church and uh, the spirit working in the life of the worship of the church. So you can see both elements here. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for although thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou does comfort me. So I'm going to give you several things that jumped off the page to me, things that we can learn about worship, reasons why we worship. And the first thing that the uh, writer here, Isaiah, says to us is, I will say on that day, I will give thanks. Now sometimes I know in my life, I have to say that to myself. I have to do some self-talk. You know what I'm saying? You know, the Bible says we're to give thanks in everything for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Now, lots of times we're wondering about God's will. What's God's will for this situation? What's God's will for that situation? Well, we don't always have the minute details, but one thing I know, God wants us to give thanks always. And so we have to say, I will give thanks. We as a people tend to focus a lot on negative things, and we tend to focus a lot on worrying about, you know, what if. We all have our what if lists. What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? And they say 90% of the what ifs that you worry about never happen anyway, so why do you bother worrying about them? So sometimes when you're in a mode of worrying, what you have to do is kind of recollect, reassess and say, wait a minute, I will give thanks because look at the ledger, look at the bullet list that I have of things that I can give thanks for. I'm not going to just focus on the negative. I'm going to give thanks, and I'm going to give thanks specifically, notice in the verse, verse 1, to thee, O Lord. I'm going to give thanks to God because he is worthy of my praise and my worship. Go to 1 Thessalonians. Hold your finger in Isaiah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we have a bunch of rapid-fire little exhortations here. They're little because they're short, but they're big in their implications. And they're not necessarily easy to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse 16. You'll be working on these for the rest of your Christian life. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice. And all God's people said? Always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now notice what follows. Do not quench the Spirit. Now we talked about the Spirit's work in the previous study. It interests me that rejoicing, praying, and giving of thanks then leads into not quenching the Holy Spirit. By the way, I think the Spirit really works in an atmosphere when you are rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. Have you noticed that before? Have you noticed that the work of the Spirit seems to flow in that environment? When you're real pessimistic, 
when you got the Schleprock syndrome, you know, <laughs> everywhere you walk, there's that dark cloud over you. It's hard to be in the Spirit. But we're to keep in step with the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit, right? And we will not gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. So part of that is really a decision that we make to invite the work of the Spirit into our lives. And there's an attitude there. There's an attitude of reception. There's an attitude of invitation. Lord, I want you to come in and fill this cup. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but with a qualification But examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, remember we talked about spirit and soul in Mary's song Sunday. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Isaiah. So we're to be a grateful people. We're to give thanks because God has qualified us to be saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. If you want a note taker, write Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14, where we're instructed to give thanks because of our salvation. We're to be thankful people because of what God has done for us. This leads us beautifully into the next thought in verse 1 of Isaiah 12. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for although thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away. In context, the reason we give thanks to the Lord our God in this particular verse is because his anger once turned toward us has now been turned away from us. That's reason to give thanks because we know that God, one of God's essential attributes is his holiness, which then requires that he will judge sin and he will judge the breaking of his law. His people have been constantly caught up in idolatry. They've been going the wrong way. They've been committing spiritual harlotry, and God has reason to judge his people. But now, in the light of the coming of the Messiah, in the light of the work of his kingdom and all that he will do, though God's anger legitimately was directed toward us, now his anger has turned away. Let me ask you a question. Where did his anger turn? It turned to his son. See, it pleased the Lord to crush him. And Jesus from the cross, quoting Psalm 22, says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we've gone through scriptures where we know it is clear that the cross is both the love of God on display and the wrath of God, his holy wrath against sin or his righteousness. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. How so? Because in the gospel, in the cross, Jesus Christ is taking the full brunt of the wrath of God. The Lamb of God was slaughtered for our sin. His blood was shed. He took God's wrath at the cross. That's why the sky grew dark, a sign of judgment. Think of the plagues of Egypt. That's why the earth shook, another sign of judgment, because Jesus is taking the holy wrath of God upon himself instead of you taking it. God poured out his wrath on his son. Hold your finger, go to Romans 5. This is the intersection of the cross that the the love of God and the righteousness of God are displayed at the cross. They intersect at the person of Jesus. And we love verse 8 in chapter 5 of Romans, but it doesn't stop there. Here's what it says. Romans 5, verse 8. 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Michael Lance says it at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. See, it pleased the Lord to crush him, and Jesus from the cross, quoting Psalm 22, says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we've gone through scriptures where we know it is clear that the cross is both the love of God on display and the wrath of God, his holy wrath against sin or his righteousness. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. How so? Because in the gospel, in the cross, Jesus Christ is taking the full brunt of the wrath of God. The Lamb of God was slaughtered for our sin. His blood was shed. He took God's wrath at the cross. That's why the sky grew dark, a sign of judgment. Think of the plagues of Egypt. That's why the earth shook, another sign of judgment, because Jesus is taking the holy wrath of God upon himself instead of you taking it. God poured out his wrath on his son. Hold your finger, go to Romans 5. This is the intersection of the cross that the the love of God and the righteousness of God are displayed at the cross. They intersect at the person of Jesus. And we love verse 8 in chapter 5 of Romans, but it doesn't stop there. Here's what it says, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now keep reading, Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? From the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult or rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So you have to understand that at the cross, the wrath of God is satisfied. This is signified in a word that you see in your New Testament called propitiation. A big word, but a real simple meaning. It means that when Jesus Christ propitiated 
or took the wrath of God on your behalf, he appeased the holy, righteous standard of God because he fulfilled the law. He never broke the law. He was without sin. And then when he died on the cross, he appeased or satisfied God's holy wrath or God's holy, righteous demands in his death, in his life, death, and resurrection. Are you with me so far? That is how and the only reason why God's wrath is turned away from you today, because it was turned on his son. That is the significance of Calvary. It is not only God's love on display, but it is also God's judgment or holiness on display. The cross is not just about his love. It is also about his righteousness. Do you understand? And so therefore, the only reason that his anger has been turned away from Michael Lance is because Jesus Christ stood in my stead. He propitiated for my sin. Turn back to Romans 3. Take a look. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, there's that word, in his blood. By the way, that word is a Greek word which is translated in the Septuagint as mercy seat. The word propitiation means mercy seat. That's where they would sprinkle the blood uh, on the Day of Atonement. You remember in the Holy of Holies? Jesus is your mercy seat. Now think of it this way. In the the chest of the the, uh, Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments written by the finger of God, given to Moses, right? and then remade after he smashed them, you had the jar of manna and you had the uh, staff that budded, correct, in the uh, ark. And so on top of the, the mercy seat there is you know, the angel's wings, they're touching together, uh, and then there's the mercy seat. So the law, here's the picture, is always testifying against us. The law, is, uh, the law brings the knowledge of sin. Right? The law reveals that we are sinful. It shuts every mouth. It presents the whole world guilty before God. But on the mercy seat, where the angel's wings touch, the blood of the lamb is sprinkled. And every time the law testifies to God that we are guilty, there's an intercessory work going on. It's the blood of who? The blood of Jesus, the blood of the lamb. And therefore, the law no longer condemns because the blood of Jesus has made the ransom payment. He has died in our stead. In 1 John, uh, turn there for a second. This is the the picture that John paints. 1 John, just before Revelation, look at chapter 2. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. 1 John 2, 1, middle of the verse. If anyone sins, we have an advocate, parakletos, a go-between, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself, 1 John 2, 2, is the, there's the word again, propitiation, that means he satisfied God's wrath for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, Jesus' work on the cross is what has now turned God's wrath away. His blood sprinkled on the mercy seat is now what intercedes for me and presents me righteous before God. 
That's what makes me sing. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, for thou once was angry with me, but now your anger has what? Turned away. So if you're struggling, Isaiah 12, with things to rejoice about, and you're sometimes in your life, you know, you, you may be having some tough seasons or whatever, why don't you just start there? Why don't you just start there and just begin to praise the Lord for the fact that his wrath has been turned away from you, though he was once angry, that has been appeased forever. You are forever sanctified by the finished work of Jesus Christ. God loves you. He sees you through the finished work of his son, and you are holy and righteous and blameless in his sight. Are you grateful? Reconciled by the blood of his cross. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, because you were once legitimately angry at me. Because I had broken your law. Not once. Not one commandment once. I broke all ten, top ten, over and over again in word, in deed, and thought, motive, everything that you could name. And I am presented guiltless before the Father because of the work of his Son. I will give thanks. And by the way, end of verse uh, 1 back in Isaiah 12 Does this bring you comfort? And thou does comfort me. We are comforted by God. God is the God of all comfort, not some comfort. He's the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our tribulations that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. Right? Uh, Paul says, God who comforts the depressed... 2 Corinthians 7, 6, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God, did you hear that? Comforts the depressed. That's a Bible verse. It's 2 Corinthians 7, 6. It's one that I spend much time (laughs) thinking about. Not in certain seasons, at least. It's a good verse. It's true. God comforts the depressed. And whenever I'm feeling down or beat up, I go back to the cross. And I say, God's wrath, you know, God is a consuming fire, but I'm not going to stand at Sinai. I'm coming to Zion, baby. You understand the difference? If you have to face God at Sinai, you get the law. You want to try to measure up to that? But if you come to Zion, the church of the living God, to myriads of angels, the law's been satisfied. And you can enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. You've been listening to The Wells of Salvation, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app from your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the idea of wells of salvation certainly gives us a picture of water and the idea of that well of life-giving water springing up to eternal life. And, you know, that's the picture and that's the beauty of it. You know, the flowing, rushing waters of God in our lives, uh, keeping us from dryness and all of that. But what if you have days when you just feel dry anyway? You're like, I'm in Christ, man, but, you know, some days I just don't have it. I just don't feel it. How do I get it back? Well, um, I would say 
you know, every day, multiple times a day, you got to dip your cup back in the well, as it were, uh, because we are human and we, we fight all of these battles, but we can continually know that just like the oceans on the sea, the waves will just keep coming. All we got to do is show up with our cup and he'll fill it up to overflowing. And that's the key. Stay close to God. Keep dipping your cup into the wells of salvation, the wells of living water, if you will, and he'll keep filling you up. As Ephesians 5.18 says, be kept being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Well, at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor, the church behind Walk in Truth, we have a Wednesday night service. We're going through the book of Malachi at the moment. An amazing book. The last book of the Old Testament has a lot to say to us in our contemporary culture. Now, this service happens midweek, 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. We have a concurrent youth group going on. We have stuff for the kids. We have a time of worship. Into the Word of God we go, verse by verse, as is our style. And then a time of fellowship that you can hang out with other Christians and enjoy some very low-fat snacks. (laughs) They're really not, but, you know, hey, it's the new year. I know you're all trying So am I. So anyway, 7 o'clock Wednesday nights at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. If you'd like to join us, uh, find out everything at walkintruth.com. And remember, if you're out of the area, these services do live stream. But if you can get here live, it's always better. Everything you need to know at walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. This is Pastor Michael. We'll see you for part two of Wells of Salvation here, Lord willing, tomorrow. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12 called The Wells of Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.